It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. We're a two-man booth today. We'll be back to a three-man booth next week when we go to our regular schedule during the season, thank goodness, Monday, Thursday podcast starting next week. Tim, um, you know, yesterday, we, I don't think any of us anticipated that there would be this this big issue coming out of Brian Kelly's 20 minutes with us about the quarterback situation, and I really don't think that he said anything that is necessarily controversial. Some of it may have been taken that way, but let's start with that quarterback situation. And he, he basically said to summarize that Brandon Wimbush is a starter. He definitely said that. But he's not going to hesitate to go to, to Ian Book in, in a, a situation where Notre Dame needs him. They're trailing, whatever. Wimbush is struggling. He'll go to Book. And, you know, they have that luxury now because both of them established themselves last year. Wimbush more than Book, but obviously Book came through when they needed him against North Carolina and in the Citrus Bowl against LSU. Give your perspective on what was said yesterday and your your because everybody's now interpreting what Brian Kelly said. And I think... I think we're on to exactly what Brian Kelly was was trying to express yesterday. Yeah, just first, quickly speaking for others, I understand Notre Dame fans, when they hear two-quarterback system, they think of Brian Kelly, the Kaiser-Zaire train wreck. That's one time that it didn't work that well for Brian Kelly. He has had two-quarterback systems work in the past, and it's not a two-quarterback system. That's not what he's played. He's he's played multiple quarterbacks properly. I made reference to this on Monday, that Ian Book was going to play this year quite a bit more than your average backup. And only because he's his skill set is the opposite of Brandon Wimbush's skill set. Brandon Wimbush is a great natural runner that can win games running. Ian Book is excellent at the read option, can beat you with his feet, and is a better passer than Brian Wimbush or than Brandon Wimbush, and he makes more athletic throws on the move, which is part of this offense. This is the proper use of your talents and your depth at quarterback. Because there's going to be games, or parts of games, where Brandon Wimbush has trouble running against extremely athletic defenses. Might be game one. And you need someone that can throw the ball better and run the operation efficiently. That is book. Now, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you're worried about this, I cannot completely (laughs) assuage those feelings. Because I do understand, no matter what Brian Kelly says about Brandon Wimbush not having an ego in this situation. And I, I, talking to Brandon, he is a team player. Just recently speak with Brandon Wimbush. This guy is focused on winning. He's not concerned about his own statistics. He wants to win games. The way he will be the best remembered Notre Dame quarterback is if he goes eleven and one or twelve and zero in Congress with another guy. Not if he dies on his own sword going eight and four. He's a good kid. This can work. If you don't think it's going to, I don't blame you. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I, I get that. But this is not. Brian Kelly did not say that this is a two quarterback system. He's not. They're no, not. They're no. not going in. They're not going to alternate series like they did with Kaiser and Zaire in sixteen, which. From the very beginning, right. we said it was a mistake. I mean, think about that. Think about the year that, that Kaiser had in 2015, and then he had to share the position the next year. That that was that was a, a Zaire personality yeah. reaction because Zaire would not have handled it well. It wouldn't have the dynamics with the team wouldn't have sat well. You don't want a player dictating how things go like that. 
But sometimes you have personalities like that, and I think that's what that situation was. That's not what this is. I think after the bowl game, you know, I I think, you know, we were all kind of big proponents of what, what Ian Book could do. But after the bowl game, the one thing that you wanted to hear was, okay, nine months from now, Brandon Wimbush is a starter. I don't think any of us were questioning that. But if Brandon Wimbush is struggling and you need Ian Book to win a game for you, will you insert him in the game? We're now nine months later or eight months later, and that's what we wanted to hear. I, I think what Brian Kelly said yesterday was a good thing. Now, those that want Ian Book to be the starter and Brandon Wimbush benched, I'm sorry, but that's 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 crazy talk. Well, the only way that happens is if Notre Dame's three and three, and then it's over. But that has nothing to do but, with but this the, point. But of the, the season, theory right? itself is crazy talk, right? That and the only place I think you and I differ on this is I think Book will be called upon a little more often than you do. In other words, I think it could be almost like Brian Kelly pointed out. It could be ten nothing Notre Dame, and Brandon Wimbush runs for twenty yards and thirty seven yards and takes a pop. Ian Book can go in and finish the whole thing, finish off the entire quarter. He could finish off just the drive. It's not like you have to get the guy right back in there because you do trust your number two. And honestly, it's good to have a little bit of a rhythm for a guy like that, too. Tommy Reese, there was a disparity between Everett Golson and Tommy Reese that year athletically and what they needed that was just giant. And Reese was a little different guy than Book in that Reese, if you remember Oklahoma, it's third and seven in Norman in what is an extremely close game. The guy just comes in for one play, throws an eight-yard pass to Eifert, gets off the field. Off. That That's rare. So I, I think if Book kind of gets a little rhythm going, you stick with him for a bit, but it's still Brandon Wimbush's job. Yeah, I look at it, and we talked about this before we started recording. I think a lot of it depends upon the score. I'm not sure that he's going to frequently insert him in those situations. Notre Dame should... You know, they're probably not going to be trailing a whole lot, you know, by double digits very often. They were struggling against LSU, and it had basically gone on for the, the majority of the first half, and he went to them. So I don't think I don't think it will be as frequent. Uh, Brandon Wimbush, I, I agree with you. I mean, certainly there are going to be instances where he's going to struggle throwing the football, and, uh, and you have to do something to give the offensive spark. But how much it happens, it's, it's not going to be – Okay, this guy gets this this series. This guy gets this series, and I and I think that that was part of the overreaction. I think Brian Kelly's doing exactly what he should do. Chip Long has kind of echoed these remarks. I think the only if you're just if your glass is half empty but realistic, what's the drawback to this? One of them's not that much better than the other, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, Aaron Rodgers doesn't share time. It, right, we want <laughs> it's, you, you want Brady Quinn. You don't have him. We want a perfect world. It's right. not. It's not that. What do you do? Throw up your hands and say, "What are we going to do?" It's it's a position. It's college football. It's a quarterback position. You know, sometimes you get Andrew Luck. He's got usable depth with Brandon Wimbush and Ian Book. That's how he, and I think yeah. that's how he's looking I at don't, it. Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I really don't think that, look, 2016 was mishandled. I don't think that he's going to, going into this. He brought up 2016. He knows how badly it was mishandled. We didn't even ask him I about promise, 2016. I promise you when I say this that he knows he didn't handle that well in 2016. He knows that. He would do it differently if he had another opportunity. And he does kind of have another opportunity right now, and I believe that he will do that much differently. And now I believe you'll probably see Ian Book at some point in Game 1. This, um, this conversation didn't even have to happen. This answer by Brian Kelly, if Notre Dame was opening with Temple and then played Ball State, you wouldn't even have to talk about this until Week 3 because you would never need to insert yeah. him. I think that depends upon the score, and and of course I mean, it depends you think upon the score is going to be tight and low. Well, yeah, yeah yes, that. but and I also think it depends upon yeah. the degree of Brandon Wimbush's struggle. Maybe he doesn't struggle. 
I mean, yes, he will because he's going against a real quality defense. Um, you know, are they as good as Georgia? No, but I think they're going to be fairly comparable. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we'll address that with one of our questions in segment two. But uh, plenty of time to talk about that. We'll be back on Monday, so I'm sure we'll be still talking about the two podcasts for Michigan next week. Yeah, we'll point. be we'll, we'll be starting to get into a, uh, Monday. Will be more of a, a season preview and obviously delving into to Michigan. But I'm sure we will with Pete back. And I know Pete echoes. You know, I know he echoes my sentiments uh, f- from our interpretation of last night because it's not an ideal situation, but it's one that they're faced with. And why not take advantage of two guys that, that have the ability? Let's move on. Uh, a couple guys that we want to talk about. Let's start with uh, with Jonathan Bonner, who was a an interesting interview last night. You know, we're always saying, people are always saying, how's Jonathan Bonner doing? And we're always like, well, I don't know. We didn't ask. Um, and, we, and we did. That's true. We actually we, we, did not ask Brian Kelly again. We basically went in August without asking. Right, but we did have an opportunity to speak with Jonathan Bonner, and you specifically interviewed him. And what struck you about that interview? And I did talk to Mike Elston on Media Day about Bonner as well. He just noted, as background, if you don't remember, Bonner was recovering from wrist surgery all spring. So even though he was involved in a lot of things, he wasn't involved in real heavy one-on-one action where he's slamming his hand into someone. They're being cautious now. Bonner, who this story you. I think maybe in these postseason situations, they don't really think much about the 11th guy on the 11-man defense last year. But Jonathan Bonner basically broke his wrist at the end of 2016. He didn't know it. It didn't show up in the initial x-ray. So he practiced in the spring of 17 with a broken wrist. This all comes back together in a moment. He went through weight training with a broken wrist and all the new Matt Bayless things with a broken wrist. He went through three games with a broken wrist and he hurt his elbow so badly he needed a a, to take a quick look at his elbow, they said, your elbow's fine, you have a broken wrist. So then he realized why it hurt so bad, and the other reason it hurt so bad. <laughs> and that's, although there's humor in this, it's also, no, if it's... you're going to find sympathy in the world, Jonathan Bonner, as the what they call the smallest three technique in college football, as a joke last year, his teammates, was doing all this with a broken wrist against Quentin Nelson. Just the worst thing that could possibly happen to a human football player, because Quentin Nelson is not human. Smashing into that guy with a broken wrist and not being able to disengage, and then finding out you have a broken wrist, wrapping it all year and playing because your team needs you. If you didn't like Jonathan Bonner before as a Notre Dame fan for whatever reason, you should ex- respect Jonathan Bonner right now. Uh, obviously, people remember he was thinking about retirement from football because his mother was diagnosed with cancer during the year. A lot of things piled onto Jonathan Bonner last fall. That's where I think the Quentin Nelson thing really is part of it. I mean, how much do you enjoy football? If you have a broken wrist, yeah, you're getting and, smashed by the guy. Yeah, the and, and it was interesting listening to him because, I mean, it's just, it, you know, can you imagine, well, first of all, imagine being a five-star defensive lineman going right. against Quentin Nelson. Healthy, going a, a yeah. healthy five-star defensive lineman going against Quentin Nelson. You're going to have your hands full either way. Now you're a basically a three-star level defensive line with a broken wrist. Added 40 pounds in the last couple of years <laughs> to play the position. It just right. It just wasn't a good situation for him. He isn't a good one now. Uh, Mike Elson talks about he's the best technician they have up front, which is why Great he's on the hands. He can use both hands. Jonathan yeah. Bonner mentioned his extra appendage multiple times yesterday. He's, I mean, he, he was understated, but there was humor involved. He was really kind of pointing out, like, you know, last year was terrible for him, and he's really looking forward to this fifth year back. He's on the nose where he'll be a two-down guy. 
he comes out in the nickel. He won't beat any dimes. Jerry Tillery is the guy that's going to be on the field all the time, and they have Tillery and Bonner's old spot to make plays. Imagine and, how much stronger he is now than he oh, was. Just, I mean, yeah. and he he he's always been a strong at the yeah. point of attack guy. And I don't ever remember. I mean, you remember him like getting blown no, up the I ball don't, last I don't, year? I don't. I don't think he made a ton of plays, but um, no. he, you know. He wasn't a guy that you were writing down in film reviews like they have to replace Bonner. I never thought that. I right. thought it was a good rotation. They had yeah. they had a rotation. You know, with saw, he, he, you're right. He didn't make plays. He didn't penetrate, right. but he held point of attack. Yeah. He wasn't getting pushed off football. And that's his and job now. That's it. Well, and that's absolutely yeah. his job now. So he's probably he's going to face guys that maybe are a little bit bigger, a little bit more compact and style. Look at double sometimes. Yeah, you know, if but he's but he's well. str- he's a lot stronger than he was because he's been able to. Well, he, I mean, he lifted through the injury, which is phenomenal. So, anyway, many props for Jonathan Bonner uh, heading into this season. There was one more humorous moment in the interview, and after all that was kind of discussed, someone asked him, what's it like? Just kind of the standard media question. Someone said, what's it like to go against Sam Mustafer? And, of course, our response off-camera was a lot more fun than it was last year, man, because no matter how good Sam Mustafer is, it's not this monstrous human being trying to improve himself every minute at your expense. So, uh, yeah, we're all, we're all, I think, rooting for Jonathan no doubt. at this point. No doubt. Last thing I, I want to discuss, Tim, before we go to uh, segment two is um, – the running back situation, and I threw a story out there today because it just, and this is kind of a notion that I think has struck us in the last week or two, uh, you know, as, as you, and you keep hearing more, and we interviewed Jafar Armstrong yesterday, and we're all even more impressed with him in our first opportunity to speak with him. Uh, very impressive young man. Brian Kelly said for the third or fourth time about his work volume and his ability to just keep going and going and going, and he can play running back, and he can play slot. Uh, you can you can line them wide, I guess, if you want. Although we haven't necessarily seen that, this is a guy that is completely on the rise. We hear less and less about Tony Jones with every passing day. Um, if you check out the story uh, on Irish Illustrated today, I have a quote from Chip Long. If you missed that, from it was in a story I, I think I wrote on my way back from Los Angeles uh, over last weekend. Um, you know, Chip Long did not speak very highly of Tony Jones and said basically that every aspect of his game is under scrutiny right now, including practice habits, which is now what you want to hear for the one. Yeah, it's body, it's bo- it's body, body language. language slash. Yeah, practice. I guess practice habits is the wrong way of saying it, right. but his approach to practice, yeah. his approach to leading the group. Because remember, other than Tony Jones, when somebody takes a handoff in this game, it will be the first handoff of his collegiate career against Michigan. Yeah. So you want Jones to at least have emerged as the rock that is going to start the game. Settle things down, get those first couple carries in, get the pass protection in. Now he probably will anyway. But Tim, as you said, Jafar Armstrong's talent is special. Avery Davis, they love him. Brian Kelly said yesterday, he's good in practice. He's fine, and then he's, we scrimmage. He's better in scrimmages, and that's what yeah. they want to have. That's what yeah. they're going to have to see. I mean, let's. I, and I'm not sure that I necessarily clarified this in the short story that I wrote today, but I mean, Tone Jones is probably going to be the leading ball carrier if it's not Brandon Wimbush. Of course, against against Michigan. Against Michigan. Yeah, yes, against yeah. Michigan. But I think as time goes on, I agree with you. Um, Jafar Armstrong is in their mind their number one running back right now. And I th- I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Well, a- excuse me. Uh, until until Dexter Williams comes back after four games, and then it's a different dyna- well, dynamic. Don't get Wally pipped because Jafar Armstrong can run. But uh, I and because of Dexter Williams, I mentioned this a, a couple weeks ago. You could have a September where one running back leads the team in rushing in October, where Dexter Williams does, and in November where another running back leads the team in rushing. Is that ideal? Once again, I don't know if it's ideal or not. It's probably better to have Jonathan Taylor run for 2,000 yards, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's okay to have a bevy of backs if they're used 
properly and if they can all contribute, and that's what Notre Dame is probably going to have this year. Let's say, uh, okay, first four games, Brandon Wimbush is leading rusher. Second four games is Dexter Williams, and third four, Jafar Armstrong, when he's really learned the position and settled in. When he's the only healthy guy in November is what you're saying? Well, that could be. That that, that could be. But it's it's going to be interesting. You know, I mean, Avery Davis is not a guy... I mean, he's not going. He's not going to get a ton of carries. He may get touches through the passing game, you know, more through that. But you know, I, our 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 listeners have heard us talk about Jafar Armstrong or read about what we've said of him as a receiver, and he's really, really good in the slot. I really think that he would already have the job behind the scenes if he didn't basically miss spring. I mean, I don't think we realize how much he missed in the spring with a high ankle sprain because you see him out there when you go out for half practice. You don't think anything of a rotation in scrimmage in the spring when a guy's not playing much. He he could not, in his first ever spring at the position, really show long everything he had. I think they kind of guessed because they saw him at, in spurts. He's had one of those camps where, you know, it's Michigan, so you, you want to trust the guy that's been out there, Tony Jones. Tony Jones has played in environments. He has played in against a lot of the best teams in the country, so... They probably do trust him most in a yeah, game ball, situation. And like you mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, ball security. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just and, – and, you know, I, I, I would imagine if Armstrong and Davis have had fumbling problems, it's not something the coaching staff is going to volunteer right, to right, us. Right. Uh, and that actually might be something – that and pass pro might be something to address on Tuesday. And, but absolutely, when you're playing this Michigan defense uh, with their ability to – you know, 114 tackles for loss last year. Notre Dame had 62, which we thought was fantastic. <laughs> they had 114 last year and 120 the year before. So they're disruptive, and that's where a young running back can can make a mistake. Last year, zero fumbles, right, by the running backs? Zero fumbles lost, at least, by the Correct. running backs. That's, yeah. Get through the month of September with zero yeah, fumbles well, lost. You're doing well, a, right? A guy named Josh Adams had yeah. a lot to do. Yes, that's a valid point. <laughs> had, yeah. a, had a lot to do with that. All right, we'll be back segment two with questions from our readers. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Full slate of questions today. The first from Brooks Beer One, wondering what you guys think about the second string linebackers. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of we've talked about these guys. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. I think Jordan Jen Markeith is going to be a very good inside linebacker. Um, you know, you just don't want him playing too prominent of a role this year. You want Drew Tranquil on the field, and everybody's uh, you know everybody around the program is excited about Bo Bauer. Uh, don't want to rule out Jonathan Jones, but it looks like Bo Bauer is the number two or 2A at the very least, uh, Mike Linebacker. So there's a lot of potential there. And then, you know, right now the number two rover is Shane Simon, and everybody's excited about him, both in terms of his physical ability, his maturity. I don't know if you saw, Tim, the the, uh, the comments from, from uh, uh, Tranquil and his maturity and talking to, you know, trying to teach Shane Simon. He said, watch Shane. It was like the third day of camp. Watch Shane. Uh, in a few days, there'll be nobody, in, a short line of guys to get taped. And sure enough, you know, a week later, uh, Tranquil says, hey, Shane, look at this, see? Because those were the only two guys in line to get taped. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, and then uh, we're not even Jack Lamb. That's a guy that they're they're very excited about. Once he gains some strength and uh, Osita Ikwanu, who's coming in next year, 
uh, is a guy that that I, I really like him. I have him, I think, right now in my top five of the, the verbally committed. So it's a good group. I like them all in backup roles for a contending team. And the good thing is Notre Dame has two or one All-American and one very, 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 very good injury tranquil. The best thing about Shane Simon being number two and Asmar Bilal being number one is Sean Crawford, the nickel, might be the number one guy there anyway. And when you need him, you will see plenty of nickel. They will nickel out the rover. They will dime out uh, Jonathan Bonner, and, and that's the guys coming in. It's not as easy necessarily as Brian Kelly pretends it to be. Like, well, if they run the ball a lot, we'll just play ball. Yeah, well, some yeah. guys, sometimes there's play action and stuff like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you have options there at Rover. The only way they, and this is long-term over the course of the season, the only way they don't sub out the Rover is if Shane Simon wins the job yeah. because his background's yeah. at, uh, on the back end of the defense, and he's he, he looks like a guy that's a two-way player for the rover position, whereas usually you have you know one skill set over the other. You got in a three-down line there, probably, right? Tranquil rushing. you got to bring in Sean Crawford for your nickel. So if Shane's yeah. not staying in, Coney is too good of a football player to take out. I don't care if he hasn't improved 1% against the pass. <laughs> you can't take him off the field in a third-down yeah. situation. So, yeah. And I believe he has, of course. But that would be, boy, that would be a... The ultimate of the pass defense too, because you know Tranquil can kind of those those delayed blitzes. He's been able to do that since his freshman year. Yep, which seems like a long, long time ago. He was blitzing Michigan and Devin Gardner. Yep, and I and I think that he's a guy coming from the middle of the field. You know, you can you can uh, hide him a little bit. He's uh, going to be fun to watch in the nickel. He real he really will be. Both <laughs> those two inside linebackers are outstanding. Lunchbox asks, how solid is the defensive line and how much depth does Notre Dame really have there? I think Notre Dame's D-line depth is the strongest aspect of the football team. I, I hope the starters are as good as we think they can be and as good as Mike Elston projects them to be because I asked Mike Elston if this could be the next best defensive line from 2012. I wasn't even considering the other way because that t- that defensive line was deep and great and that was three-man, but mm-hmm. he said he thinks they'll be better in the pass rush. He, he believes they'll be better. They should be better. Julian Aquara will have to become more consistent. If you think of Aquara last September, you're like, man, that guy was awesome. And then I don't remember a single thing that he did. Right. Uh, Dalen Hayes, the production was not there like everybody expected it to be. He also had a good start. We both like Khalid Kareem. They like Khalid Kareem. Um, Ogan DG probably is the good, perfect backup there. He's grown to that role. Interior, they have four, maybe a fifth. I mean, Elston mentioned Du Treadway was battling Heinish. I think that's probably just being kind. Coach speak, I think Heinish is. He just works so he does his job so well. Yeah, the thing right? about Du Treadway though is the he the frame that he has. You know, I, I think he can be a little bit more of a handful just because of his frame. But it's gonna it really will be fascinating to see uh, what they're going to do in pa- in uh, pass rush situations because it'll be, it'll be it'll be Hayes and O'Quarrie at end, and it'll it'll uh, it'll be Kareem and Tillery right. likely on the inside, and that that's part of that nickel again. That, that, that yeah, right there. That is a that potentially that's a really really exciting pass source line. We might find out maybe by the end of the Stanford game that boy, this nickel is their best defense package. <laughs> you don't go into the base nickel against a team like Stanford, but man, or Michigan, of course, you definitely don't go to the base nickel against Michigan to start the game. But that nickel defense. Uh, Van Gorder, Van Gorder would have. That's right. He did I against forgot. Texas. You can limit him, you can limit the Texas to fifty if you go into the nickel to start Christ. the game. <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, I kind of forgot that Alabama opens with Louisville, and that's going to be a lot like Spartacus out there <laughs> on the opener because uh, I did a quick read, and it's funny enough, they're still learning the defense. In, really? In I thought they, yeah. I thought they would have picked that no, up in I'm a heartbeat. I'm shocked they haven't split the atom those Louisville guys. <laughs> You're up, <laughs> uh, Irish TN. Are we going to see 10-plus design QB runs from Wimbush? 
Uh, probably against Michigan uh, because it, 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 it will be some tough sledding at times, it would appear, going against that defensive front, that entire defense, really. Uh, you know, I think Notre Dame needs to pick its spots. Brian Kelly. It better not be week two and week three. No, exactly. <laughs> and that, you know, Brian Kelly was asked about that. Would you be more likely to run Wimbush now that Book is experienced? And he said yes. So that I know that's something a lot of people, uh, you know, cling to and, and are concerned about Wimbush's health. But it's an asset. It's his main asset, hey, right? Man, if you're using two quarterbacks at all in any way, I want it to be because you've run Brandon Wimbush for 150 yards a couple times. And uh, every time Brandon Wimbush runs, an angel gets his wings. I'm not sure about the uh, the passing, the short passes, but I, it is music to my ears that you're going to run your best runner a lot. Now, is that great if you have to do it for 12 straight games you don't have a backup? No, it's suicide. But if you can do it properly, road games, we need to take control of the environment. Michigan, yeah, Stanford, those type of things. Then you got to run him. I, I should clarify: ten design runs. I don't know about that. 10, 12, 14 runs, scrambles. Right. Yes, because that's where he does a lot of damage. Yeah, really. I don't know yeah. about. I don't know about ten design runs, but he's going to be on the move. There's no doubt about that. Irish Joe Mack, what have you learned about special teams and who might be playing prominent roles? Yeah, just uh, something from yesterday. Really, um, I, I would not be shocked. I, mean, I don't. I wouldn't say he's won it, but. Just kind of judging from speaking with Sean Crawford, um, he really wants the kick return role. And I think we left media day and Brian Polian was literally forced to throw a name out by multiple questions. Who would it be today? And he kind of just said, I don't know, Nick Coleman. Now, that was August 15th. Nick Coleman had run. He did take the first kick return of the practice we saw that day. I wouldn't be shocked if a guy with the playmaking skills of Sean Crawford is involved in that. He's also the most one of the most intelligent football players they have. Kickoff return is now a situational make a decision situation. That's double double negative there, but yeah. it, if you're catching the ball at the four, you have to know if you want to just get the ball at the twenty five, or if you've taken a peek and you think you got to decrease to try and hit something. I mean, pretty bigger. much, I asked Brian Kelly about this. Maybe I didn't ask it well. He he didn't answer it well, but I mean. A, a ball that you field inside the five, you're, aren't you going to pretty much automatically going to fair catch that? As Polian, and he mentioned not on a three-second hang time. Yes, on a 4.2. Right. Okay. Yes, so absolutely. Crawford's the type of guy that will be like, this ball's coming to me, I'm going I'm, I'm to take a chance. Yeah, you I got, kind of you, favor him for that. That's yeah, the, you've got to make a judgment as to how long the ball's been hanging up in a split second. Michael but. Young missed a lot of camp. I, maybe he took himself out of that with the, with the hamstring. Because I think I projected him before, this, before the season started that he would be the kicker. Do we know hamstring? He, I was told hamstring when he was walking around just by, okay. yeah, just a Notre Dame official. But it wasn't, okay. we didn't ask Brian Kelly what it was because I was told, well, ham, I asked, I was told hamstring. I, I yeah, I mean, I kind of danced around it because I asked about Joe Wilkins cause we, because we heard that Joe Wilkins was getting some extra reps the other day. Uh, we'll see about that. But, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't expect to be Michael Young, at least initially, because of the the, the uh, hamstring issue. And I think if you're wondering about Crawford with, you know, injury history, <laughs> I mean, guys get hurt. He can get hurt doing anything. He got hurt on non-contact plays. So if he's your best kick return to put him back there, I think Avery Davis would have a chance. Maybe you're not putting Avery Davis probably back against Michigan to start the season, right? I wouldn't think That's so. And, and well, I mean, who, who, who do you put back there that you feel comfortable with? I mean, Crawford's Crawford has the most... Playing time, although I guess Coleman does too, but certainly not in that capacity. Yeah, it's it might not even matter if it's a good kicker nowadays. You might not get That's a kick true. Return, so. That's true. That's true. Not JTFL one. Tell us something you would like to see in Chip Long's play calling against Michigan, and which players should it involve? Well, I mean, something that that he suggested to me in a conversation I had with him last week during media day that 
you know, he said, maybe our running backs allow us to do some things that last year's didn't. Now, you know, Josh Adams could go inside and outside. Uh, but but I, the, what he was getting at is that they feel more comfortable overall. And maybe this has something to do with just a general feeling that Brandon Wimbush is going to throw the swing pass a little bit better than he did last year, which wouldn't take a whole lot to, 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 to be yeah. to be better at that. But, I, you know, I think that Chip Long feels like they can attack the flanks better than they did last year, just overall with their entire package of the offense. Now, you know, they tried to do that against Georgia, and that was very unsuccessful. I don't think Michigan's defense is Georgia. I think it's very stout, but there's no way on this green earth that they're as fast as what Georgia was on the edge. The one thing that, um, to answer this question, I do like that you're kind of hinting at the pro set, the two running backs, because that's where you can motion Well, they definitely want to do that more, and they weren't able to do that because Jones was hurt last year. And I love the two tight ends. Uh, I tried to kind of dig with every tight end and chip along when I talked to, is, is that the preferred package right now because they're so experienced there and they love their tight ends. Long kind of said, you know, it, it's... Right now, sure, this was back on August 15th, but he, he then immediately went to, if they don't produce, we'll go back to 11, or Jafar and Avery, which means those are the packages. 11, of course, being base with three receivers, the slot receiver being in. The one issue I have with Michigan, and not that the speed is Georgia, I don't think you'll see that speed unless you go back and play some old Alabama right, teams. Right. But Michigan's defense, and we'll get into this next week, with Don Brown, they're kind of designed to pressure you, but take away those... I guess short athletic throws is the best way I can say it, and that's not that's what Brandon Wimbush still is kind of struggling with. They don't allow that very much, so it's going to be the Rams have to run the ball a little bit and take some two yard gains to to make it so they're not in third and eleven all the time. If third and six is probably a good thing to be in against Michigan, just to avoid the third and eight here they come chaos that they can bring. It's it's a hard to be a patient attack when you have all rookie running backs and Tony Jones, but you almost yeah. have to have it. Well, uh, and yet another reason why we may see Wimbush running on early downs yeah, because you yeah, just don't you just don't want to be caught in that third and long situation. Uh, Nick Lunger, very simple. <laughs> if not this year for BK, when this year's better than next year because the road games are are titans as opposed to this tricky schedule. We keep calling it challenging, tricky, hard to navigate. You're flying a lot. They somehow are the only team in the history of mankind to play five of their final seven games away from Notre Dame Stadium. They didn't do themselves any favor, but there's also not the... I mean, unless Michigan's defense is better than everybody tells us they are, and unless Shea Patterson is what he was supposed to be, there's not the team on the schedule where you look in 2015 and find out, oh, Clemson. I mean, that was a tall task, right? Yeah. Florida State, 2014, even though they kind of won. That was a tall task when you're looking preseason so you can beat these teams next year. Those games, there's the road games are rough next year, man. Yeah, it's, it's Stanford hasn't lost at home since when? <laughs> People don't even think about Stanford, that. Yeah, Georgia, Michigan, that's, all road. That's that's really it's outrageous, ridiculous. So if if not now, when? Well, I agree, not next year. Um, you could have a good year next year. I'm just saying you're gonna get. You're gonna yeah, get I mean, if you're up. talking about when, quote when being. Pursuing a national title, Brian I would Keller say. All of a sudden, beating all three of those. Well, I would road. say you know when pursuing a national title at probably twenty twenty one, twenty twenty one when when you know you're recruiting pretty darn well yeah. now. Twenty twenty when... is probably the way the way to call it, right? Just because otherwise, well, we're so I'm far th- away. Yeah, I guess I, I'm thinking about <laughs> these freshmen. I'm, being... No, I'm thinking about next year's freshman okay. offensive linemen giving them Good a point. chance to develop a little bit to cook as. Uh, 
as Chip yeah. Long likes to say, give them a chance to cook a little bit. They would be in their third year by then, right? Uh, so maybe 2022. <laughs> we just agree not next year, right? Yeah, and I, it's not all on the offensive line. They are recruiting well on the defensive side of the ball as well, except for defensive ends, which we say every year. So, you know, I don't know. This is a big opportunity. Um, and I do want to throw this in, and I, I, I meant to do a story on this because think about this, Tim. Because, you know, everybody feels good about this team going in. But think about Bonner almost quit football. Coney almost went pro, Tillery almost went pro, and we all thought Tranquil was going to. Yeah, he's, he's a graduate and moving on with life. But Right, he just yeah, got married, yeah. and we knew he was getting married. So can you imagine where they would be without Bonner, Tillery, Coney, Tranquil? I mean, they would be so young defensively. It would be a lot worse on September 7th. We would be predicting... Yes, seven and the, seven and five. They hit the jackpot with guys that could have come back. Uh, and really, we always knew Josh Adams was leaving. I know people still wonder why that is. It's because medically, Josh Adams was always leaving. I don't think, although St. Brown would be the best receiver on the team, I don't think they miss him. Does that no, make sense? I, I, a, it, a it does to there. me because I think the I think the wide the the three starting wide receivers. And then mix in Kevin Austin, which I guess we don't really know what they have there. But Michael Young, expecting Michael Young to take the next step up from the Citrus Bowl. But specifically the three starters, I feel really, really good about those three three guys. And the buy-in of having Boykin as your leader instead of St. Brown <laughs> is probably good too, right? Yeah, I mean, there is. And, no, and nothing but and nothing but you know positive vibes coming uh, out about Claypool. You know, Stefferson should be a junior on this team too, but that might not help the dynamic. It wouldn't help the dynamic, but, man, that kid could play. Yeah, uh, Matt Miller, which current player has exceeded your expectations based on what you saw of him in high school? I think that's a really good question. That's a great question. wanted to clarify, this is not the Matt Miller that put Corey Robinson in the first round a few years ago after watching one Notre Dame football game. Uh, Tavon Coney, I think uh, I never thought he would be who I wrote down as the best player on Notre Dame's team going into the year. Um, our, our former colleague, Anna Hickey, was extremely high on Tavon Coney, by the way. She had him at the top of that class, and she was right on this one. He really transformed himself, though, because he was not Tavon Coney, the freshman and sophomore, especially the sophomore, was not this at all. He, in the offseason, and the real offseason, after spring of 2017, is when Clark Lee said he just shot up the charts in terms of conditioning He's not the fastest guy in the world, so I can't imagine Coney not being in great shape. Yeah, but he's quick. in short no, space. He's I'm the quickest. Yeah. He is now, but right. when he wasn't in shape, no, he probably no wasn't getting to places. So he he is my guy for sure because I I did not ever think that I would say Tavon Coney is the best player in Notre Dame's football team. I obviously have to totally agree with you because I you know I mean I had him as a if I had him as a four star it was a low four star. Um, yeah, it's almost like a lot, what he could be, type of right? Thing. Because, but a lot of it was his stature. I remember, I remember, uh, I don't know which game it was, but seeing him on the sideline before a game for his recruiting visit, and I did think, you know what? He's taller than I thought. He's taller than I expected. He's not five eleven. Squat, right? Right, right. You know, but man, I <laughs> he was the best football player. He was the best player on the field last year in the Citrus Bowl, and 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 dominated. He was one of the best players on college football that day on January first. He really, he, was he, re- he really was. Uh, I'd say tranquil. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I, he, who, we didn't know his position would work. No, out. I uh, thought I thought he would move up yeah. to an outside linebacker spot, but still, the dominant player is the, the the intelligence, the innate ability to diagnose, and then the leadership. He's just yeah. 
Oh, he, yeah, he's he's a, tremendous. Julian Love. Well, you, uh, you were very high on Love to clarify. Of course, you didn't I, think he would shatter. No, I didn't think he'd have forty-three <laughs> passes broken up slash defensed. No, I did. I like you know. I, I wasn't you were really high on him though. Not after his junior, not his junior year film, but his senior film. I really, really liked him a lot. Uh, but still, to play at that level, I mean, that's three guys on defense. Yep. That's why we're so. That's why everybody's so high about this defense because of the level of play, in particular, of those three guys. And they have some at every level because Jerry Tiller. I mean, everybody liked Jerry Tiller yeah. coming out of college, but this is or high school. He is. I really want to see Jerry Tiller against Michigan because this guy put in the position they're putting him in to make plays. He had almost ten tackles for losses and nose tackle last year. That's that's tough, man. That, that's really tough is. sledding in there. You have no chance to have any freedom. No doubt. Until. No, no doubt about it. I would say, you know, I, I certainly didn't expect Kurt Heinisch to be not as a freshman. Could, yeah, as a, as a freshman. Right, yeah, right. I mean, as a freshman rotating in in the third series of the season and then rotating in against Georgia, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't surprised at MTA. I, I really, really liked. Yeah, in January of that yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, I really liked him coming out of high school. I thought that was a huge steal for Notre Dame at the end of the recruiting campaign. But Heinish playing that kind of role, and I think we're going. I think the version we're going to see of Kurt Heinish this year is quite a bit better than what we saw through at least through the first two thirds of last year. Yeah, he won the job over guys that they were disappointed couldn't beat him out last year. Now he's just a guy that's really going to contribute. He beat out seniors. That should have been able to beat him yeah. last year, but yeah. a lot of these guys are on defense. There's a common denominator there. Yeah, I would, th- I would, th- and I would also throw a, a guy potentially surprising here. Is I, you know, I think Oquara is a is a potential seven to ten sack yeah, guy, were. or maybe I'm hoping a lot there. But I mean, I you know, I think that he is on the verge of doing that, and so this would be a guy that. I didn't expect him to, to be able to contribute like that. I look back at those rankings, and the guy out of those three, I was I had Kareem fourth in class and, and Aquara fifth out of everybody. However, I had Hayes, Dalen Hayes, second, and I think he hasn't approached second yet. You had Aquara fourth? fourth uh, I'm sorry, Kareem fourth, Aquara fifth in the whole class. I'd have to check. I don't, um, I don't but remember I where I had second, Aquara. But. Um, and that's the class with Demetrius Robertson, right? That didn't get Yeah, I had him first, and he didn't know. We, yeah. we were doing that before he made his decision. Now, where but, did you have – you had Jafar Armstrong ranked I had Jafar highly. Armstrong sixth in his class. That's really yeah. good, so man. I was high that's on that really guy. good. I also uh, had Dante Vaughn sixth, if you want to go the other side. He needs to start – no, he needs to pan out a little bit more. I mean, they yeah. need him to be a viable number four. And Have you seen that guy in pictures? <laughs> Well, I saw that picture. I wasn't as blown away as oh, you were. Looks what, like what? he plays for Alabama. Well, what, what? in terms of height, but Length? not necessarily. Well, yeah, he, we know he's the <laughs> longest corner they have. Ten picks for Alabama. No, I'm just kidding. That's, right. uh, I was I was high on that guy. Who's up? Uh, no one. That is how you pronounce that, right? N-E-A-U-X. No one. Tony Rice was in my class at ND. Compare and contrast him with Brandon Wimbush. I think there are huge similarities. Certainly as a runner, Rice was the... Rice was the ultimate leader. I mean, his his teammates looked to him, and I'm not saying Wimbush isn't, it's but a I, different level of leader. Yeah, I mean, Rice was a right. I mean, Rice. Well, let's put he it this could way: be the greatest the, leader in the history of Notre Dame's program. Well, his field. his confidence. You know, we're, we talk about Wimbush confidence, and Rice made bad throws not because he lacked confidence, it's because he was a lousy thrower. <laughs> right. yeah. And his and his technique. I mean, he threw. He, he threw, only made good throws because he was so you know, confident. <laughs> they, there, there's that story out there about Coach Holtz telling him to throw it like a dart. That's some of the worst advice advice you could possibly give a quarterback. That's not the right way to throw the football. But Rice was bad at. But I, you know, similarities in terms of certainly as a runner, as a dynamic game breaking runner. Uh, I'm shocked that Wimbush 
like blew away the, the number of touchdowns that Rice had in a single season when you consider how yeah. much you know Lou Holtz liked to run him. But I think there are a lot of similar. Wimbush is a better Wimbush throwing technique wise is way way ahead of Rice. He's not he's still not accurate, but I, but I, I think the ability is there. He just doesn't have the confidence. If he had if he had Rice's confidence. He would be a much, much better passer. He wouldn't be doubting himself. Plus, the Alabama game last year would have been a good one if he had Rice's confidence. Because it would not have gone that way in November. So, uh, Rice was, if you, for people that didn't get to watch Rice, pull up YouTube. And I know everybody's seen the famous games. Do USC 89 in South Bend with Todd Marinovich. Nothing is going right in this game at all for any part of Notre Dame that ever handles the ball, including Rocket and Ricky Waters fumbling every time it comes near them on a punt. Tony Rice is an indomitable leader. The one of the he's the best leader I have ever watched at Notre Dame, starting in 1981. Shockingly, it wasn't from 1981 the best leader, but there is no comparison with anybody in Tony Rice in terms of leadership and respect from his teammates and peers. Offensively, offensively, yes. offensively, of course, yeah. But, but he's the quarterback you need. The, yeah, he, you just believed in Tony Rice no matter what. And Tony Rice couldn't throw a football as well as any single player in college right now because they didn't teach it the same way. He was an option quarterback. He can't. He 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 had last year at Notre Dame. He threw for two touchdowns. That's all you need to know. And nine picks. Yeah. But he was fourth in the Heisman voting. Yeah, because he was a great football player. <laughs> but I mean, they, I can you know they I, don't I, throw like that back then, like they do now. That's why when Steve Walsh is out there killing people for Miami, you're like, whoa, this is impossible. It's a pro style offense. It's, it's, they didn't have them. I've argued through the years that Tony Rice is the the best quarterback in Notre Dame history. Yeah, now he, I re- I realized you know what he couldn't do. Sure. But what did he do? He was, a, he was a great, great all-time leader. He was incredible, and he and he he, I mean, he, had, he had the perfect coach because they were going to run it. And, yeah. yeah, and people say would he play at Notre Dame now? Maybe, maybe they wouldn't recruit him. But then he'd be eleven and one at Georgia Tech. So yeah, it matter. exactly. Wash ND. Do you think Jafar Armstrong will pull a twenty fifteen CJ Procise and surprisingly lead the team? Not in rushing. I think that's why this is a good question. But in combined rushing and receiving, that is a great question because so combined yards from scrimmage. That's a lot to ask for a redshirt. It freshman. is, yeah. I mean, I just don't. It, it's in an ideal. We just world. don't know, like the first month of the season, just exactly how much, you know, yardage output he's going to be put in a position to accumulate. Plus, I want to couch this a little. He might have forty yards against Michigan. This is not going to be an exciting game for people that like offense. There's going to be a lot of punting if there aren't turnovers in this game. What, what would you say, veering off a little bit from this question, but what would you say uh, will be Notre Dame's combined? What will their total yardage be against Michigan? You could probably say that question for Monday, but we'll throw it out now. I mean, they got to get to 400 yards? No, and, they will not get to 400 Will yards. Michigan? No, neither team will. The two teams might not get to 650. Whew, that's low. That's really low. They're just, the defenses are... Way well, they're they're on both sides. There's some good receivers running around out there, so somebody's gonna somebody's yeah, they're, gonna they're, connect on something deep. Maybe maybe both teams at some point. There's some good corners covering them. That's true as well. But you know what? Nordame's corners, Nordame's corners are more have put up better numbers. While Julian Love alone has, I guess Troy Pride hasn't. But um, those two guys can cover Michigan. No, there's no doubt. He'll longer. I mean, but they haven't put up. You know, I think they each had two interceptions yeah. last year. What that. They their past D is number three right, in the country. Right, they're so. right. Their their fame is based upon they won't throw their way. 
Yeah, that's. But I mean, also, I don't know how good they are, but if they only have to cover for 1.4 seconds, it's yeah. just not that yeah. hard. So uh, that's a lot to ask for Armstrong. In a perfect world, Dexter Williams would lead the team in rushing in October, November, right? A fresh Dexter Williams that plays seven out of eight games because he inevitably misses one for tweaking something. Yeah, but they've got they they've got to be willing to put the ball in his hands, and they have they have not been willing they have to not. do that. You had the ultimate um, running back leader in Josh Adams, the, the number one guy they trusted. He walked on campus and he was a finished product, as opposed to literally every running back he played with. And now, so that's that. If you're trying to figure out why they love Josh Adams, it's because the contrast between him and everybody else he played with in that room was so stark. You know, I had a lot of people tell me how stupid I was when I had Josh Adams ahead of Dexter Williams, and I re- and I realized that it was a, it was a risk. I just thought he was a complete you know a complete player, and we we found out that he was. But um, you know, Procise and Armstrong, comparable speed. Yeah. I don't get the um, – I, I am totally against the comparison of Armstrong to Adams. And st- other than running upright, I see nothing that the coaches had mentioned off the kind of off the record. I think they mentioned it to Pete. I've got to bring that up. I don't see any Josh Adams style in Jafar Armstrong. I do see Procise a little bit. Yeah, I just – have you seen enough Armstrong to know what kind of running back he is? I'm not sure that I've seen no, enough I see carries slot, to actually know. receiver. Where he yeah, like. I mean, that, that part we know. I, I just – I mean, I can't picture too many – Live between the tackle runs that we've seen with Armstrong, we we had four practices, and I guess that's why I don't compare him to Josh Adams. <laughs> I don't, I've seen Josh. Yeah, Adams I mean, jo- yeah, Josh Adams had all the 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 uh, body language and characteristics of a running back, and you know, I, don't, I don't know that we can say that yet. But Armstrong's a hell of an athlete, and he's going to play an integral role this year. All right, well, that's uh, that's it for today's podcast. We'll be back on Monday, August 27th. We expect Samson to be back uh, on board with us for Monday and Thursday of next week. Yes, a bit of a season preview and Michigan for Monday. Some yeah. connections and then... T- talk like a little bit more big picture uh, on Monday and then, obviously, a whole lot of Michigan on Thursday. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Illustrated.com.